For some reason on Skype, I can't tell when you are signed on. I'm hiding from you, Luke. I don't know if you knew that. I'm scared of you. I'm scared of myself, really. You felt the wrath of Luke, and you said, no more. No more, good sir. This is really awkward because I'm staying in a really nice house here at Life Teen Hidden Lake. And it is empty and solid wood floors and rock wall. Basically, sound bounces everywhere and everyone's in bed. And I'm in the middle of the house. So here's the <laughs> so, F-bombs waking up my kids. No, no. We've moved on past that. The kids don't like it anymore. Have you heard? They're all pious and religious. <laughs> They're all fake pious and religious. Yeah, it's true. They're all trying to adhere to standards that they, not the magisterium, has told each other, have told each other about. Well, I mean, the Bible does say don't use abusive language. Oh, please. <laughs> Pish posh. The Bible also says, you know. Don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. And I boil kids in their mother's milk every other Tuesday. If I can't do that, then I don't know if I want to live in this world. <laughs> Oh, man, Luke, I am excited. I went to a church on Pentecost called the Church of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how how cliche. Okay, well, <laughs> cliche. Well, I was, I was in a completely different country, country, state, whoopsie. I was in Alabama driving across. <laughs> we know how all of you Texans are now. I know. I was in a different you country. Had a little, you had a little taste of insurrection last January, and now you want more. Hey, don't you put that on us. Don't you put that on us. Sorry, that's on Florida. Yeah. See, here's the problem, what you think about the insurrection. Texas, Texans would never go to Washington, D.C. to yeah, engage in insurrection. We that's would true. go to Austin, and then we're done. They'd be like, okay, now we're done. Okay, Austin, you're out of here. See ya. Go back to California. All right, and we're done. And then all you Californians come to Austin, and then we just <laughs> wash, rinse, repeat. It's very beautiful. But no, I was, I was at Church of the Holy Spirit in, in, for Pentecost, and it's one of those churches that was definitely built in the 70s. At oh, least it's, so garbage. Uh, or 80s, yeah. So it's like an A-frame church. So picture a giant A, right? Just big slope up and down. And Already the, walls, the walls are orange, or the ceiling is orange with rainbow waves that go through and I'm, I'm looking at it, i'm like what the heck is that oh i bet you that's supposed to be like the fire of the holy spirit and the many languages representing the many peoples of the world and all this stuff but i can tell you this is this is what i can guess from what i saw in the church there was the founding pastor on the ceiling but you could tell that the the quote-unquote jp2 priest or pope benedict the 16th priest's or priests or pastors, plural, have taken over because everything else in the sanctuary itself was like traditional. Like, you know, you had the Marian side, the Joseph side, you know, you had very traditional architecture of like the furniture, but the walls and other stuff like that was not. But it was the first maskless mass I have been to in over a year. What do you do with these old, horrible churches? And I, and I, I mean, horrible no, I, I in the sense of just no, no, no. I was the architecture. That. I was thinking that, and like, I was... and the des- and true. Well, I mean, one thing to the stuff. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to cut you off here because it's my show. Um, I'm just kidding. It's horrible <laughs> of me. Um, but true, you pay for half of it. <laughs> this show is like that split baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wisdom of Solomon. Neither of us refuse. We're like chop it in half. What if there was like a Catching Foxes schism and we both went and did our own podcast called Catching Foxes and we still split the money? <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> we're better than, than other Catching Foxes. Oh, man. I would call we're, mine Chasing Foxes. 
<laughs> and you would call yours <laughs> Teen Life. <laughs> I hate that file so much, but we don't change it. Yeah. <laughs> so just so everyone is clear, we we have a special Dropbox. And in that special Dropbox, there's a folder that one of us just mistyped, probably me, and it says uh, Chasing Foxes. No, 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 no. It says Catches Foxes. The Dropbox Sorry, folder says, says Catches Foxes. That's right. It, it says Catches, catches Foxes. That's no, that's it. Yeah. So, and we have never bothered to correct the Catches Foxes folder, but there is another folder that we both share called Catching Foxes. But the Catches Foxes <laughs> is the one where we put everything <laughs> because we've been doing it since 2016. Yeah. <laughs> and in no way um, is that depressing. No, no, this is great. Um, no, but like it. Uh, what the hell? Are we, oh yeah, horrible churches. Um, no, this is what I think should happen. I think God is causing. He, God's like, you know what? I'm only going to give them a third of the amount of priests that every diocese needs. I'm only going to call about a third of them, so they have to shut down and consolidate parishes. And I hope they choose the cheap '70s churches to shut down. But I'm God, so if they don't, I'll make their ceiling cave in. Cause I'm the Holy I... <laughs> Ghost. Ghost. And then Scooby Doo comes up and they rip a mask off, and it's funny. <laughs> I was just thinking that Taylor Marshall, it was you all along. <laughs> I would got wait for two. It wasn't your stupid kids and your dogs and your weed? What, sir? We we have no weed. And then we just kind of stare at, at like a me because at one time I thought about it. We were in Colorado. I was like, well, it's legal, and I was like, no, nah, I can never do it. I have too much shame. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. So that that's I think I God's hate, plan. I that's hate God's weed plan. So much. There's yeah. a vocational. Hate, cr- there's a voc. No, let me finish my thought. There's a vocational crisis in know the I world just to end the ugly churches from the '70s. They're going to get shut well, but, down. Yeah, and here's the thing that's really like like the tough part about it is like these churches don't. Why I truly like one of my biggest issues with them is. I mean, this is insane. I, okay, I never realized that there was like a high altar. I mean, I'd heard that term, but I just never bothered to really try to pay attention to what it meant because I didn't care. No, still kind of don't. But when you consider all of a sudden when I started, when I understood that, the main, the altar that we use now looks out of place. Yeah. And Five you start feet to see, in front of where the congregation yeah. used to sit. You know. <laughs> and you start to see how it all kind of like used to work. And it's like, oh, oh, that's much better. <laughs> Like I don't know why we changed. Actually, I, I've heard I've heard rumors as to why, and I understand some of the thought b- behind it. I just don't think the answer was to ruin the old stuff. But the boomers did it, so here we are. <laughs> Actually, the boomers' parents did it. The the greatest yeah, generation—they're right. the ones that did it. No, it's the silver generation, or the or both. Whatever, yeah. who cares? Uh, we're all listen. Basically, it's you know, it's the last five hundred. You know that one article that I sent you? Like, yeah, everything's crap. It's you know, all yep. over with. Yeah, um, and that's why. Like that's, I mean, it's easy to chalk everything up to, but I think in this case, I'm like, yeah, I don't, um, and you know, I, I remember we went to a church, I think it was our buddy John's parish or where he got married out in Atlanta. They had some modern statues of, um, I guess maybe it was John Paul II and Mother Teresa. Mm. And I remember coming in like, I kind of like, like, I wish there was more, um, modern icons. Like I saw an anime one that was actually really moving. And there's that one that everyone um, likes where Eve has the really long hair and Mary's got the long hair and Eve is, whole, is like touching on Mary's belly. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish there was more – and that's not an icon per se, but I would like to see – I think one of the dangers of um, – I'm so tired of talking about the bad stuff, but um, I do get concerned that 
art isn't necessarily, and by art I mean um, um, sacred art, isn't progressing. And this is just in terms of like what the masses see. I know there's good there's good stuff out there. Is there if there's stuff that you think that I should know about? Please go ahead, go ahead and email me. Um, and so therefore, I only want to know people who actually have my email. Um, I don't want to hear from people who who actually have it. And if you have it by accident, that's not a permission to email me. No, but um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I sound so bitter and jaded. The um, I I I mean I don't know. I'm curious to get uh, to get to you. Well, that was that was Chesterton's critique of Byzantine art back you know in like the 1920s. He was like Ooh, bold. He made some he made some side comment when he was talking. He's like, it's like Byzantine art, frozen in form, flat and undimensional um, and uh, two dimensional, and uh, out of take that, John Leindecker. <laughs> but there's you know, and and it is funny because. At one point, that was new. You know, at one point, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, new yeah. and creative and bold and original. And then it became sacred. And then it became almost like, well, this is the only way we're allowed to depict this. You know, and it is. Oh, gosh. Uh, someone wrote in and said, Gormley, I listen to you both on Catching Foxes and Every Nisha. I have one request. Stop saying fascinating. And I'm like, and I just sent back one, e- uh, one word email. Nope. Uh, because I didn't think I said it that much, and I say it all the time. So thank you, brother, yeah. for rebuking me. Um, I almost said, that's fascinating. Sorry that out of the 300 episodes we've given you for free, <laughs> I've become that entertainer. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you like a little abuse, huh? huh? Where it is, you're ugly. Um, I, I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like one step away from being called the, the podcaster formerly known as Luke. <laughs> no, but... The art forms, yeah. My, my problem is there creates this religious aesthetic that then becomes like the norm. And Chesterton was saying how in the Western church, it grew, the, the religious artwork grew entire genres of art, right? I mean, like you're thinking of the Mona Lisa, you're thinking of Fra Angelico and, you know, the Renaissance painters and all this stuff. And then, you know, obviously they, they the Renaissance in particular dabbled in the Greek and Roman pagan myths and all that stuff. But the there is something hmm. fascinating about, like, when you're staring at something by by Raphael, like the, uh, what was it, the transfiguration that is done in Mosaic in St. Peter's Basilica. And you're staring hmm. at that, and you're like, holy crap, this is the most incredible thing. I love it. It's vibrant. It's beautiful. It's realistic looking. and the, And it's filled with symbols. But at the same time, like, when I look at all the modern, a lot of the modern, not all, but a lot of the modern, I'm like, eh. Like that Mary, Eve, Mary, and Eve touching Mary's belly, pregnant belly. I like that a lot. I think that's very, um, it's, it's very yeah, cute. Yeah. It's very, it, it can be very powerful in the right context. Like, it's, it's in nice. my it's kids. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's in my kids' um, religion textbook. And I was just explaining it to them a couple weeks ago. And I was like, you know, I really do like this. Like, you got the little tree borders on either side and all that stuff. But there, there's a sense where it's like, but that's not like a masterpiece, you know? And that's not something that – there's a lot of modern artwork that looks incredibly cool for, like, ten years. And I think one of the reasons why we develop a religious aesthetic that has lasted a 1,000 years or 500 years – um, in the case of iconography, you know, the wood carvings, the paintings, the drawing, the writing of icons um, – is that it, it creates this thing of like, yeah, but this is what church art looks like. 
You know what I mean? And when you see even really well yeah. done modern art, mm-hmm. like you're like, this looks like something that belongs in Minecraft. Like I don't get this. I so okay. I have two. I have two thoughts about this. One, I just want to um, bring up Aaron Merrick's um, work again because I just think it is so good. I, I I would honestly have every. I would like to have every uh, every unreligious image in our house be like of like one of her stuff. I just I just think it's so great, and I like having like the same kind of um style. And if it's a style of our house, um, Henny, but but where um, do you find her? Uh, let me bring it up. Let me find it. Aaron, um, I'll bring Aaron it up on. Merrick. I'm friends with uh, so her and her husband Don are some of our uh, dearest friends. Is it Merrick Maid? Yes. Yep. Merrick Maid staring right on my face. I'll send you her Instagram. And I so I, I got the blessed Carl of uh, of um, Oster, and she made the. I could be wrong. I think she made the Buffalo Star thing like because of us. Um, Ooh, that's like, cool. I think I may have gotten the the uh, first one of it. She gave us she gave it to us as a housewarming gift. Us and a, a Saint um, Joan of Arc one. And I, I so okay. So let me go back to kind of the old the old stuff. I think one thing that we don't really understand, and that article that I sent you had um, talked about this, and this is kind of an, kind of an interesting idea. Is we are actually um, living with the remnants of all of the stuff that used yeah. to be. So what we're seeing isn't necessarily. I mean, I would. I mean, it's. It is. It is some of the most important art that that has ever been made. So, but it's not. It's not necessarily the best of the best. And I just bring that. And I bring that up because so much has been lost that I don't know if you can even make that make that claim. It's just here's what we have that's really, 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 really good, and it's now considered to be priceless because you know during the during the Enlightenment during during the Umar Reformation. These things were just destroyed. I mean, there was so much more artwork in yeah. in Europe that is now just lost, completely and utterly lost. Um, I want to say, like, the majority of it is is lost, and especially when it comes to religious art artwork. So I do kind of wonder if, like, what we view as being a religious artwork is just what's been left around. So it's just what we know. Mm. And so we think everything has to be this heightened. It has to be the absolute best. But, but does it? Because like I'm pretty sure all this. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. But I, I'm not saying be okay with bad with bad artwork. But I don't think everything should either be as good as Michelangelo or it's not good religious artwork either. Right. right. And I also think of and we've mentioned her before. Providential.co. Trisha. Oh yeah. Um, her stuff her, is so good. Her stuff is so, so good. good. And I I have. A bunch of her stuff, um, and she makes all. I, I wish I knew the the style of it, but she makes so many different beautiful. It's not the minimalism, but it kind of feels like that, but yeah. not in like a, a cliche way. She probably hates that I that I, I, I called it that. <laughs> but I, I love her stuff, and we have I have people in my office that have a bunch of her images and stuff, and she's in our our area. But I mean, I love the style that she does, and you know what? I might actually. So, in Jordan Peterson's new book, Twelve More Rules, one of his rules is pick a room and make it as beautiful as you can possibly afford. And I really like that. And he tells the story of trying to do that to his office at the University of Toronto, and how he had to jump through all these hoops and stuff, and how he bought all this like Soviet era art for really cheap on eBay, and it's like incredible. And you can see how the artist struggles against the forced propaganda that they're meant to do for the state, you know? But and then, like, the later it gets in, like, the 80s, the more free the art becomes. I, so I've been going through my office, which is just insane, and saying, okay, 
I need to put this stuff in order. It needs to have a place. It need, And I don't care about, like, I'm not talking about for more productivity, more efficiency, um, not even, like, cleanliness or minimalism. I'm talking, like, the things on the wall need to be hung correctly and need to be things worth hanging. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just like that. I like that idea a lot, whether it's modern art or icons. So I have about five icons on the wall. Um, I just brought um, this one, uh, her husband, into the church last year. Or, or last year, about eight, six, eight months ago, and then she just came into the church this year, and they went and bought an icon of Christ the teacher and gave it to me, and they said, you, you know, thank you for being such a great teacher. Here's an icon of Christ the teacher. So I'm like, oh, I need to hang this on the wall. And that started this whole thing of like, you know what, I really do need to make this beautiful, you know? Yeah, that's how I'm, I'm working on my basement to be that. So I've got a my so I think I may have brought this up before on here, but uh, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I, I won't go too deep. But yeah, it's kind of that, and I I feel bad that it's not a lot of it's not a lot like it's not a ton of like religious stuff. So I, I want to find a way to have so it's not just like pop culture downstairs, all of the religious art up, upstairs. But I really um like that idea. I really like that idea. I'm um I'm currently I'm reading because I'm gonna I'm gonna give him an endorsement. How about that? Uh, Father Harrison from the uh, from the Clearly Speaking podcast. He he wrote a book on um, the sacramentals, on sorry on on like life and um, sacramentality and, and bringing that in, into your life called Mysterion or something like that. I don't know, um, but uh, <laughs> that was a good faith effort, Luke. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm not sure. I'm really intri- I, just th- that idea of like what's the kind of what do I want this like what what is my family. What do I want? How do I want to represent my? How do I want to make my house sacramental as it relates to both God, like, and my family? So it is what it represents, and obviously it is tied into God because we are all um, practicing um, practicing um, Catholics. Aaron would like have a heart attack if she thought I was implying otherwise. Um, but uh, I think, but like the how can I make my house a way that really represents who we are? Yeah, and so it is what it represents, you know. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm kind of intrigued by 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 that idea. Hmm. Do you think we're ever going to move past like what like true like what's going to happen to the these churches? I don't know. I don't know either. What what should happen? Like is it is it like do we just have to accept the fact that they are there and try to and try to make the best of it? There are there are companies who specialize in placing like like bringing in symbolic and traditional architecture into mm-hmm. these warehouses of catholicism um and in fact i went to a church in sugarland where <laughs> they did this it, it looks a little weird because it's like here's a normal like 90s sanctuary and then it's like and here is the opulence of yesterday right and so <laughs> At one point, I'm like, nah, it's okay. I get it. It's cool. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, and, and this is, like, like, this is the tough part, too, is that the church, like, the church looked on a different. It's, she's looked different throughout her, her history. It's, it's cool to see, like, what's the same. Like, when you go to a lot of the old churches in I mean, there's the one thing, uh, like, under the Vatican, we're able to um, see the old church, and they have, like, basically old, like, first century icons or something like that in there. And I think that's pretty, just the fact that we've always had images in our churches, I think is pretty awesome. Um, but they all haven't um, looked the same there. You, um, have a Baroque style, you have a, you know, you, like even the, the design of your own churches depend upon the era. Yeah. And 
I don't know. I I I just think um, I almost feel like we have to create a new style of art, one that and I, it's 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 and it's I'm not that things like impressionism or other stuff that I don't have no authority to talk about at all <laughs> are bad, but a lot of them do come out of this sort of unmodernal mindset or this like postmodernal worldview or one very based on uh, on um, the Enlightenment and all of that horrible stuff. And so how do you create a new form of art that isn't um, rooted in that? Because that has its roots in atheism. And I, I, how, I, I, like, I, don't, I feel like that's why that stuff often doesn't work when it's about God, because God is so real and this stuff is fake. But I think there's a way to also do it that kind of like makes um, sense as well if you're trying to understand. I don't know. If, if you're... Like, I'm intrigued by, like, a, a painting done in the style of uh, one, like, Picasso's batshit um, crazy stuff. But it's like, this is where I'm coming from, though. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to, like, here's the disorder. I'm trying to find order out of it. Yeah. yeah I'm intrigued cool by that. So what do we do? What are we going to do with these crappy churches, Luke? What are you I don't know, do? man. I mean, honestly, like, I, I think you're right. You do kind of have to just I, – I, I do think part of the reason why maybe you shut down certain ones are just because, like, hey, this is – not drawing like the way this is built isn't drawing people closer to God. So let's you know I, I do think you need to kind of prioritize the location of the churches so they best serve the people. But I don't think it should be an an, an absolute because I I don't know personally I think it's coming where we're going to see a lot of churches closed down. I don't see I just don't see how that doesn't happen. I think COVID has accelerated all of this. Mm. So. Um, and I don't think people are going to go back. And so um, Pittsburgh part went of me, to Pittsburgh went from two ten to sixty four to like thirty eight parishes. Holy cow, thirty yeah. eight! It's it's something like Oof. that. It's like in the thirties, I think so. And it was intentionally like it was part of their consolidation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I really don't because I, I just it. Um, I think what's the church isn't. We are part of the church, and the church is us, but we've also been told our whole lives that, like, we are the church, not the future of the church, but, like, we, like, we are the church. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that the church is also the 80-year-old 80 80 woman and the you know, 65-year-old dude and, like, these people who they might not want a church or they might not like a church that is like the stuff that we like because to them it represents something complete, completely different. You know, yep. it's a church that they remember from their um, the youth that was stiff, that was, you know, I've talked about this before, but I mean, I remember hearing um, Aaron tell me that like her dad said when he found out that God really did um, love him when he finally understood that he was angry because he spent his whole childhood being terrified of God and going and going to hell. And the idea of, you know. A loving God, the way that we talk about that now, is in line with uh, church tradition and church teaching, but has not been a lot of our parents and grandparents' experience of God. And I, I almost think that's impossible for us to really comprehend. Yeah, because the pendulum swung so far the other way. Yeah. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter what you do. Jesus is your number one affirmer. It's weird, man. It's weird. It's almost Ooh. like it's almost like the church is filled with half converted people who think Jesus Christ is a good idea 
And so they're just going to manage it according to their own whims and fancies. But don't you think that, like, I've, I have been thinking about this a lot because this is what I think about um, constantly. Like, why? Why do we view God as an idea? I don't think that just happened. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's because everything's just been reduced to ideas and just like, you know, like God is uh, God is a thing that – like, you know, why is religion a section in a, um, a bookstore that's you know, usually two shelves right by the, right by the um, occult and not too far from the weird sex books? <laughs> um, like wh- I, because it's been reduced to that. It is just a subject. It's a thing. You know, I've heard yeah. I've heard people say it's a th- it's a thing that like this girl does or a thing that, that um this guy does. It's great that it's important to him or her. And it's weird when you hear that because I, I I think I I'm I tend to believe that that's why that is that's like that's why we have a lot of the problems that we have is because God and the church have been reduced to ideas. Okay, well, th- think about it this way. One, you have the university system. And in the 1500s, after the Council of Trent, all priests were essentially educated through a university system called the seminary. So you had, instead of priests being formed, where many of them were formed in religious houses or in cathedral schools, where they literally were discipled by the bishop, if the bishop was any good. And if the bishop was terrible, then they got zero for, next to zero formation. Um, but th- we lost the personal contact of communicating the very life of the faith to people. And it, we created a curriculum. Because it's easier to address ignorance than it is to address apathy. It's harder to get people to care. But if they hmm. care, it solves the ignorance problem. They'll, solve, they'll, they'll learn for themselves. But if they don't care, then you're just giving them information. And if the information is important and my livelihood is based on it, my vocation is based on it, then I'm going to learn the information, sure. But it's not going to be the center of my life. And then, how, and then we have that communicating, for the most part, to our children, right? And then the children are raised in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an idea of God who is as abstracted as a university lecture. You know, that's why someone like Blaise Pascal wrote and pinned to the inner part of his uh, coat over his heart, not the God of the philosophers, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, fire, right? Like, that's what he wrote. Like, he he needed to be reminded that while we play in ideas, and ideas are important because they affect actions, when God is reduced to just an idea. And it's funny you say this. So one of the many times I was in the restroom today uh, spending quality time sitting there. I have this Christology book from college that is just incredible. And I'm doing my atonement theology reading. And one of the things that I read was on the three. As one does. As one does. uh, The three major liberal Protestant thinkers. And to summarize it, you have one, Immanuel Kant, right? You know, the father of the Enlightenment, more or less, who reduced Christianity, reduced all religion to the purely rational religion. And that meant morality because religion, God's existence can only be defended in the practical sphere, not the speculative. So we can never know that God exists, but he's practically useful, so therefore he exists. So religion is just about um, morality. And we use religious imagery and mythological imagery, and that just helps us understand the concepts better for untrained, non-philosophical people. So that's really, like for Kant, God is an abstracted idea 
at his best. And Christianity is the best form of that. Once you get rid of all the silly, like, oh, like a physical guy physically resurrected from the dead. Get rid of that silliness. Then let's plunge into the heart of bringing the kingdom of God to earth. But after him was a reaction. So you have the rationalists. After him was, was like the Hegelian approach from Hegel, who was like, no, God is not an idea. God is spirit. God is movement. God is. And then he turned God into this being that has to learn and discover who he is. So God's in process. And then you have the last guy. Uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Schleiermeyer, Schleiermacher. And he was like, you guys, you guys are both idiots. God is religious experience. And he crafted an entire theology of God consciousness and religious experience. So it's funny that, like, this has been with us for 400 years of uh, 350 years, something like that, of, like, literally struggling with reducing God to, to w- w- you know, the famous phrase, domesticating the deity, right? Like, yeah, I was just, I was just about to say, I, I was about to say, or, or uh, trying to reduce God to a thing that we can understand. Yeah, there's a great talk where this guy said, your God is too small, right? You treat God like he's like your rosary beads that you keep in your pocket, and you only take them out when you need them. It's like, but God is not going to be mocked. He's not your butler. He is just, and his justice does not sleep forever. Like, this is not the God, this modern therapeutic, you know, butler, deity, whatever. Um, But the problem is we have been believing that for, for centuries, He's either a really, really important idea, which is what I fear, you know, the Jordan Peterson line of thought can go, or he's, he exists in order to bless me, like a prosperity gospel in modern terms. Um, did you read that article I sent you called The Dream of the Rude? I did not. It's really interesting from a blog or like a, or uh, it, um, is a substack called the Abbey of Miss of Misrule, and basically it talks about how like yeah this is all ended like like we are living in the remnants of the West and it is done and these these are artifacts that we have inherited, and that's where I'm thinking like you know this art and stuff that we see are these really artifacts that we think are the norm, you know it's it's kind of like when people come back here in you know ten thousand years and they see that um, you know if they find this. If they find this um, teddy bear that we currently like have up here, will they say, and each house had a teddy bear, which is kind of true, but it's not like a big part of who we are. Or <laughs> oh, yeah. It's viewed as it is. And I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not trying to say that the art or, or that or any stuff is like, you know, I'm not trying to say that it's, that it's, I'm not important, but I am, but I am, I'm trying to say we might, we think we, we might not have the full understanding of it that we think that we do. Just like if you look at like Notre Dame, it was actually a very um, colorful building on the outside. All the statues had paint on them and all the stuff, but it's hard for us to um, comprehend that because it's just all that has been like, you know, like ebbed off over time and it was never replaced. Well, it was stripped off. Uh, I mean, oh, like, oh, it was? Well, so you got to understand, uh, like, when, when you go to a lot of... The Enlightenment? <laughs> well, the Enlightenment was horrible because they smashed almost every church's facades, all the saints and the facades. But the yeah. um, the high altars in cathedrals and whatnot and parish churches, if you go into the majority of American churches that have high altars, um, they had all the paint sandblasted off of them. So it's just the marble. And it's funny because it was done because in, in and it was done by the Catholic Church basically like we're losing I think it was in Sacrosanctum Concilium I might be wrong on this but there was a, an idea that like these overly ornate high altars at one point begin to distract from the tabernacle and the altar itself that they get lost within you know and I've seen elaborate ones in old you know 
East Coast um, cathedrals and whatnot. And so they sandblasted all the paint off of them and went down to marble. And you have now you have this white marble stuff, which looks cool when you're right up next to it. But from a distance, now you can't tell what the heck it is. It's like all these spires and saint yeah. statues and stuff. But they've all been, like, annihilated. And they, we used to paint every statue. That was a very normal thing. Well, and so on the... Um, one thing that this that this guy talks about in this article is that, um, and I haven't given this a like um, whole bunch of thought, but I am very intrigued by it. I just saw your meme you sent to me above that. <laughs> I want to laugh. What? But I'm not going to tell you. Uh, I'm in our te- our text te- our text thread. Oh. And um, if you were to look at the meme that you sent me right before I sent you that article, it's, it threw me off. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so funny. So this guy in, in in his article, the dream, the dream of the rod, uh, rude, rude rod, the dream of the rod, this inanimate rod. Um, <laughs> it's uh, we he talks about like we have to build new like new like new tradition new new I'm second like we need um new art new stuff we don't need to keep doing what we've always done I think I know I I do think there is something to going to the past and wanting to like I think that's that big emace um, the big emace a moment that that the church is going through right now especially. Um, well, it could be only only I'm um, like here in America. I don't know, but where we're kind of like I'm rediscovering like who we are, and there's a lot of cool stuff going on with that. But I don't think what's really has um, challenged me is I, I'm wondering if that's not the only way to go about this, though. That perhaps some stuff that we need to do does need to be new, and it's okay if it is new. What matters isn't really if it's new or old. What like. What matters is like, is it good? Is it true? Is it beautiful? Is it holy? If it's doing those things, then who cares? Like, why do we care? Like, why do why do all of our tradi- like? Listen, I love that. Um, uh, it's not the it's um it it's not the Teze thing, but the thing where they like they read all it's um holy is is it good? I think it's Good Friday where they they read all of the. Uh, it might be Holy Thursday, like very very um, very unrelated night. Where they will read all the psalms in Latin, or they sing them, and then there's only candles lit in the in the church, and that's it. You're thinking of Easter Vigil Mass? No, no, it's not. It's not Easter Vigil Mass because during the part where they get to the thing about uh, about Christ being buried, people up in the choir loft will like stomp their feet and they'll throw um, books on the ground. It's like an old um tradition of like uh, of the of the tomb being being put over the grave. Hmm. It's a thing that people that they, they did it all the time. And of course, they stopped it then in like these uh, in, in um, the 1960s. And it's cool. It's really, really cool. But I'm like, does that have to come back? Are there other things that we can do that just kind of fit better for our aesthetic? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, again, I'm not trying to say that it's bad or that we shouldn't, because I really enjoyed the one that we went to. It wasn't this mind, it wasn't this mind blowing, like earth shattering thing. It was just really, really cool. And, you know, I liked it, but that's not the only thing that we need to do. Like there are other cool late night, um, late um, night, um, late um, night traditions that we can do on Holy Thursday or on Good Friday as a church. It doesn't have to be that. Yeah. There are other there are other um there are other holidays that like we can make if we wanted to do that. Yeah. 
I don't think we're going to because we're addicted to the past or we're, we're, um, we're addicted to wanting to be right. So we're going to find the thing that we think carries the, carries the most punch in, like, in the moment. But it doesn't mean that it's actually good. Probably about a quarter to like one third of of his of his of his argument is built off of what um, McIntyre has said. Oh, okay. I love what so he said. Really, it really was the sacred story that. A, what is Christendom? A five hundred year, five, a fifteen hundred year civilization in which this particular sacred story seeped into and formed every aspect of life, bending and changing and transforming everything in the story's image. And it really was everything. No aspect of daily life was unaffected by the story. The organization of the working week, the cycle of annual feasts and rest days, the payment of taxes, the moral duties of individuals, the very notion of individuals with God-given rights and duties, the attitude to neighbors and strangers, obligations to charity, structures of families, and most of all, the wide picture of the universe, its structure and meaning, and our human place within it. That's awesome. Well, and I think that's like like one thing that really scares me about that is is that it's so what's tough about this right now is we're all doing this on our on our own. You know, there's really not like we don't have a, a collective experience of of all of this stuff because sorry, I just tried to kill I'm, I just tried to kill a I'm ladybug and it didn't work. Um we uh you know, it's it's it was so like you had a whole you had a, like a whole society doing this, and we have now we have now pretty much unlimited all of this to our own homes and or bedrooms. Oh wow, what a fascinating thing! Like you go to Europe and you see Mary and you know Madonna and Child on the sides of apartment buildings as just resplendent, beautiful art that's just hanging out, hanging mm-hmm. out there. You see roadside shrines. That are sadly probably visited by nobody, um, but it was there. It was everywhere, and now at most I have a th- three by six hanging on my wall in my office. Yeah, well, and 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 you know, um, um, here's the thing too. I don't think we really understand how much of it there actually was because it's it was all destroyed, and we've yeah. never really had that here in the United States. I don't know, Luke. Here in the South, when you drive through, people have. Yellow background signs with black letters that say Jesus. <laughs> Good enough, then. Good enough. <laughs> and I believe it's in Helvetica. No, it's Microsoft's <laughs> Arial. What am I, who am I kidding? Oh, uh, man. So so what drew you to this essay? Uh, J.D. Flint um, liked it, so I knew it had to be good. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, okay, did, JD, please don't be mad at me because that one, uh, that one, that one like retreat idea thing that we have just kind of didn't work out because me and Gomer probably dropped the ball. <laughs> uh, no, man, I was the last one communicating. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make money, and I got scared when they said we're not going to make any money. <laughs> <laughs> me need money now, Gomer poor. Oh God! Doing this is terrifying. Now with that catching foxes, a uh, uh, um, bonus is coming up next next month, though. Oh good, Daddy needs it. <laughs> you know what I always um, think about every time like we ever get paid 
is that scene, which isn't as rare as we make it out to be. Sorry, which is more rare than we probably make it out to be on here. Because I love to talk about the fact that we get paid doing this. Uh, Patreon.com slash CF. Patreon.com slash CF. Um, that scene in Wayne's World where they're like at the restaurant with um, uh, Rob Lowe's um, character, and he goes, "And I know that you're both you're you're both artists, and you're not in it. Um, you're not in it. I'm up for the money." And then he goes, and then um, um, Wayne goes, "Yeah, we're not in it for the money, <laughs> like that." <laughs> <laughs> it's just my, it's like exactly how I feel, and then and then um when they get up five thousand dollars, they like we got five thousand dollars, we got five thousand dollars. That's how I feel every time that we get like a huge paycheck or something. <laughs> <laughs> every time I want to skip down a street with you, going we got five thousand dollars, we got five thousand dollars. Oh, that's awesome. <sighs> okay, Luke, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I was thinking about talking about how just like the weight of life and how it's a never-ending onslaught of just, you know, just pain. But there could be other things as well. No, that's pretty much it. Hey, friends, let's take a brief pause to talk about our friends over at Tilma Parish. Let's make your parish database a little heavenly. Our world lives and breathes technology. We don't want to get lost in it. We don't want to get sucked into the techne. But technology can actually help meet people where they're at. We learn, connect, and communicate and participate in life online. It's an extended part of our lives today. Tilma is a ministry tool that helps parishes bridge this gap between the online technology-driven society and our flesh-and-blood sacramental church. It's technology that supports the parish, supports parish teams, and creates opportunities for parishioners to actually encounter Jesus in a personal way. How does it do that? Well, Tilma Parish allows you to manage all your parish needs in one place. We're talking events, people, giving, email communications, and, and your website. But the best part, it actually has a Roman Catholic ministry philosophy baked right in. Beautiful websites that create a welcoming experience, personalized email that prevents your parishioner from feeling like one lost in the masses, simplified online giving that makes a culture of generosity easy, and integrated people management that means you get to see the whole person when they sign up for marriage prep, the last class they attended, to the kinds of emails they signed up for. The more you see of your parishioners, the better you can serve them. And it's easy to manage, too, because Tilma is made for everyone on your team, no matter their skill level or experience with online database management, blah, blah, blah. It's simple, effective, and made to help move your parish towards renewal. The heart driving this technology is to equip parishes with what they need to love people well. With Tilma, big ministry impact is possible. So go check out a free demo right now at tilmaparish.com slash foxes, and you will get the first month on Tilma for free. That website again is Tilma, T-I-L-M-A, TilmaParish.com slash foxes. Much thanks to our good friends over at TilmaParish.com for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. So, as you all know, your Luke is very, 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 very busy. And it's been kind of interesting because the cost of that has reared its head for the past two weeks in a lot of ways. Ooh, Luke, Uh, do tell. So uh, I don't, I don't want to get too specific, just to respect the privacy of my wife and family. Lame. I know, right? Oh, my people! I need to be able to talk about this all the time. Um, but it just, you know, like it's it's fun. Like it's easy to do it when it's relatively easy and it feels hard. But it's like you're able to do it. The hard part is when it's like you have to make a really tough choice. Yeah. So here's a great example of that. Um, we have we have a mouse in in the house. We found them. Uh, we found the uh, mice, the mouse or mice droppings, <laughs> and 
Aaron was like, okay, I've got to clean this up. And I had to like go get dinner. So, so, so that we could eat. But then, and Aaron wanted to clean up because Aaron's kind of a control freak about that stuff. I'm like, fine by me. So, um, so she was doing that. And then it kind of became apparent, like, oh, there was, uh, there was um, um, more than um, what we thought. We've got a guy coming to the house on Saturday. But so please, patreon.com slash CF, patreon.com slash CF. But, uh, I had a thing with I had a thing with like the other day. We we do a thing online on the online once a month, building up to next you know uh, next month. We've been doing it since January, February, um, and I kind of have to go to it. I don't have to, but it's like pretty. There's a lot of important stuff that they're going to. I'm gonna talk about. And I want to hear what other people are doing to try to prepare for the craziness of doing four graduate school um, four grad um classes in one month, and. I had to, and we had to make a choice. Like, okay, like Aaron's gonna do this on her own, while I go upstairs and like talk to people over over on over on Zoom about like having to, having to navigate this one website, <laughs> you know, and like learning more about them. And it's, I, it, I feel bad, and that's one of those things where it's like you kind of have to make a choice, and it seems you kind of feel like a douchebag. And it, and we had a thing happen this past week where we had we had um, made a choice to go ahead and do this one thing. And in hindsight, it was a really um, really um, bad idea. And with everything I'm going on for like I'm all work right now and grad school, I was like, Aaron, I don't know how to like it. We, it got really tense for a bit there, and having to navigate that stuff um, is really really hard. And I. I don't know if there's an easy answer for it besides you just have to try and then hope that you don't divorce each other. I mean, and we're not getting a divorce or anything. <laughs> we're fine. But, like, I was wholly, like, I mean, it was one of those, like, there's no getting around this argument. Like, like we both think very different, you know, and we both apologize. And, like, we're fine. But it, it's it's just kind of a, uh, um, it's really, like, you know what I mean? Like, that hard, hard stuff that no one ever um talks about That's that's, like, there's no good here, is there? This is just a miserable time we're having right now. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I see it in the way we interact with our kids, how differently it can be, and how we just had, like, a funny little exchange tonight. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like me and Shannon are – we talk so much. Like, I said this the other day. You know, there's a lot of friends who go through rough rough issues in their marriage – that I feel like, at least to a certain extent, we get to bypass because I spend an hour in the morning with her talking and an hour in the evening, at least, with her talking. Like, we drink coffee. I don't go to daily mass if I can't spend 60 to 90 minutes with my wife every single morning. And I remember listening to Jordan Peterson one time, and he said, you need to do it at least 90 minutes a week. And I was like, done, okay. But I'm, we're both, even though she's more of an introvert and I'm an extrovert, we both are external processors. And I know I've shared this before, but like, I really do believe we've been able to sidestep some of our shenanigans that I, let's be honest, I would have caused because we've talked things out. And because here's the difference I see sometimes with families that are similar. There's usually a free spirited one and, you know, a more buttoned down one, um, but I see in our relationship that she, as the button-down one, has made room for my approach to things, too. And I have a lot of friends who their spouses have not done that, or they don't do that for their spouse, right? Like, like 
no, you do it. You don't do it your way, and I do it my way. I do it the right way, and you do it the wrong way, right? Like that's dangerous. And I find a lot of couples, and and it's about everything. It's about how you divvy up the dishes, who changes the dirty diaper, um, who has to get up, or who gets up early and makes the coffee, like all of the things that you don't think are big deals become a big deal when you argue about them every day. Gomer, guess what time it is. Oh, man. It is meat time. It is meat it is. time. Are you ready for it? I was going to say it's t- <laughs> We can't do this out laughing. <laughs> I was going to say it's time for the two of us to do another ad read together. It's been too long, my friend. It has. It's been too long. It might be because we don't plan things well, and <laughs> one of us has to record either on Thursday <laughs> night or Friday morning. It's only because the only reason why any of these things happen is because Kate has a calendar that we have to stick with, or these would never happen. <laughs> We probably if Kate did not create this calendar, I would be lost. I would be absolutely lost. But I'm not lost because I have Porter Road meat. Ooh, tell me about Porter Road meat, Mr. Gormley. I, I listen. We all know that I love that carnivore lifestyle. Honestly, I, I really do. And so when we found out, and you have, I will say, you, I saw an old picture of you, and I was like, oh, he has kind of lost lost some weight. He just looks better. It's good for him. When they just. Potentially came as a sponsor. I could not reply yes fast <laughs> yes, enough. I, know. <laughs> I was like, yes, 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 yes. Dear God, yes. I'm a carnivore. Carnivore. You guys meat company. I'm a carnivore. <laughs> I'm sure of us. Joe, um, Joe Rogan. Huh? Huh? Is it okay? Is it's okay to talk about it with you guys? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to process these things. But I'll tell you what. They don't have. Cra- it's butcher shop. Stuff. It's so good. It's, it's butcher it shop stuff. Is. I yeah. have traveled to four different quote-unquote butcher shops in my area trying to get the types of stuff that they can give you. You can't get it. They use old-school techniques. They, they send it right to you, and they don't freeze it. It's like chopped, bagged, sent. It's awesome. And what's really cool, too, is, they, is that the, all of the farmers that, um, uh, that they work with, they – kind of demand a lot but not but in like the best way yeah and they really do i was so when when like they were telling me all like how they how they do everything i was like holy crap this is like you're like not you aren't kidding and they're good to everyone that like they work with they want what's they want what's best for everyone they want the best kind of meat for like all like all 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 of their customers they want what's best for all the farmers that they are that they are i'm working with i i really really i'm a i really i'm a love this company and gomer isn't kidding the meat's freaking fantastic it is so good so all of the steaks they sent they i i the options that i had I didn't have hot dogs like you. I had like a steak, like two steaks, some sausage. I ate all of that for one meal, Luke. <laughs> we had all of it for one. I still have the breakfast on sausage. So I, no, I had no, steaks no, no, and no. hot I ate it all in one meal except the, the taco beef stuff. It was so good. Me, well, okay, so I had it for one meal with me and my wife. We made a little special thing. I put the kids to bed early on trumped-up charges. I bought a bottle of wine. My kids are in bed at 7. I'm like, kids, if you come out of this room, of your bedrooms, except to go to the bathroom, you're in trouble. Like, I just make up excuses and potential punishments just so I can have an hour and a half with my <laughs> wife and this beautiful meat. It was awesome. So um, right now, Porter Road is offering our listeners $20 off your first order of $100 or more if you go to porterroad.com slash foxes. <laughs> $20 off a $100 order of from a real – anywho, that's awesome. So uh, porterroad.com slash foxes. 
And uh, that is P-O-R-T-E-R-R-O-A-D, porterroad.com slash foxes. Go there. Go to porterroad.com. You skipped the second line. Go to porterroad.com slash foxes for $20 off your first $100, your first order of $100 or more. That's porterroad, P-O-R-T-E-R-R-O-A-D.com slash foxes. Gomer, who would? Steaks and chops arrive fresh and never frozen. Oh, so good. Oh, man. Uh, guys, please go so they can send us another box. Yeah. Do it for Luke and Gomer. Listen, it, they please. listened to the last please. ad read. They like Luke mentioning hot dogs. This is good stuff. This is- please. Please. We need, I need more of those hot dogs. They were so good. Yeah. Yeah, no, really. Incredible. God bless you guys. God bless you. In the name of the Father and of the Son. I'm- uh, that was fun. We haven't done that. We haven't done a – did you see how I started to go down – the giggling route, but then I stopped myself. You did. I'm proud of you. Thank you. How do you de- how do you and Aaron decide who does what in the house? We've done a good job of saying, "Hey, like this is you." Um, and you know, so okay, so for example, uh, with grad school stuff getting a little bit um, nuts, she's been doing the dishes, but I take out the trash and the garbage. I take out the dogs at a certain point in time, yeah. and I do the dogs and medicine, and then, like, she does the dogs and medicine. I take care of Everly's. Uh, I, I, I get Everly into her pajamas almost every night. Um, so I could spend, I could spend like, a, I could spend a, a little bit of time with her, and I, you know, get her ready for bed. Um, Aaron's got stuff that she's got to do afterwards, but it's because Aaron's the mom, you know, so... Um, and, uh, baby's got to eat. Um, <laughs> I'm probably still mad that I just made that joke. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll do this thing in like our old dog's voice where I'll go, mother's milk. Like that. <laughs> 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 it's dead as next. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go. You're done now. <laughs> it's Yenna's turn. I've been waiting. I might be dead, but okay. So, anyways, um, <laughs> I'm resurrected for this kid. I died because of you. Come on. <laughs> no, but uh, I need this. <laughs> She's mine. No, okay. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> it. Um, I mean, just I, I, we have assigned things, and we don't always. I take care of, of you know um, all the finances, so uh, that's been awesome. No, it's actually it's it's, it's we're doing fine. Um, and uh, she does all of she, like she does the bulk of the cooking because she likes doing that. Uh, I handle. I make sure that all these little things are kind of done that um, have to be done around the house. We stew, split laundry. This is all stuff that, like we've had, but we we've had to have those um conversations, and it's and I and I'm not gonna kind of I'm gonna take it a, a step beyond that. It's like what happens when you have this friction that's not from just like the daily stuff of just like like when you really want different things. Or you really think you should be doing um, – how do you find a compromise when you really think the other person um, – Is wrong? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. That's like – and when it – when it you know, then when it goes wrong and you're like, see, I was right. Um, I mean, just I'll provide like a little bit of um, context here. We had a thing that was I – th- I, th- I think I brought this up. I didn't really want it to happen, but I kind of gave in. And I wish I hadn't because it caused a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And I'm like, see, I was right. And um, how do you handle those things? Because it's, uh, and that's and that's what I mean about like this kind of like this one part of life that I feel that there's nothing, there's no resolve to any of this. I mean, you can, you you can like you, really your like whole like resolve is to forgive and say I'm sorry for being a jerk and try better um, next time. But like, there's no real resolve. There's just like, I'll just try harder, I guess. 
Now, this thing that you didn't want to do, but you acquiesced to, why did you acquiesce to it? Why did you say yes? I could tell it meant a lot. She just kind of like wanted me there. Yeah. And you were already stressed out with the Notre Dame stuff. Oh, and and work. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really been two things. Is that it's really more so work. We just have a lot going. It's it's the busiest time of year. I'm I'm in a new job. Um, it's just very very stressful right now, and it's fine. Is this? I knew what I was signing up for. Like this is just part of how it is to be at at a school. So when you come on board during you know the last quarter of the school year, you're 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 going to be in for a wild ride. Yeah, and. I'm just like, I don't, I told her, I was like, this is all the stuff that I've got to do from now until graduation on Sunday, actually until my board meeting next, 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 next week. And I went through and I was like, I've got this. I've got, so I have a thing almost every day, but Monday, like I've got something big every day. And it, uh, it's just, I'm like, I don't know. And then I have to find time to like, you know, try to get all this grad school. And it's, it's, and it's all like the tiny stuff of grad school. Like, okay, I've got to, now I've got to buy a, on the meal plan. Now I've got to get, do my like insurance on the, my insurance on the uh, insurance waiver. Now I've got to find all of the records of like all my vaccinations. Now I've got to find, you know, from like the years past. So they, yeah. so I won't give anyone the measles. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and just you know, it's just that's and 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 that's the stuff that I feel like I'm like, man, I, whew, that is tough. That's like that's that's the hardest part is the yeah. truly immovable stuff where it's, where it's like you've got to make a choice because you because your time is finite yeah. and you can only do x amount of things because there's only 24 hours in, in, in a day. There's only um, seven days in a week. There's only um, 12 months a year, and eventually that does actually where like. That can be all that can be used up. So then, okay. So there are a lot of things where you just have to grin and bear it because it's your spouse and you have to die to yourself in order to make them happy. So this thing that you went to or that you attended that you had to deal with, was it beneficial in the long run? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Was it good for her that you in the midst of all the difficulty still chose her and her needs over um, it could have waited. I think we both kind of realized that. Okay. Like, because we talked about, do we just do it? Um, do we just wait? For, does should we have my mom take my place? And you know, and I was like, that might be better. But I could tell that she wanted me, she wanted me to go. So I was like, okay, all right, oh fine. But I, I think it could have waited. Like we're gonna have my mom here in about like a week. Right. So it could have waited a week. Is your mom coming into town because you're going to Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah. So she'll be here for two and a half weeks, and then she'll be here for another. So then she'll be with Christina for two weeks. So I'll, I'll see her on on the, both ends, and then Aaron's parents will be here during for two weeks, but I will not see them. So they'll in, leave like the day before or so. In terms of Aaron, I loved you first, but in terms of Patty, I loved you best. Is that <laughs> is that how that goes? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, good. exactly, good, good, exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, w- am I wrong in saying by you acquiescing to it at, in any way, shape, or form? And I just want to say the word acquiescing more times. Um, that you can't say I told you so because you said yes. Um. Do you ever feel like I told you so is always the wrong move in marriage? Is really what I'm yes, getting at. I, 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 y- <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 But I, I I do think that there's that there is a way to say. Oh, I was wrong about that. We probably in the future we might want to try to do do um, something different. Yeah, and here's why. 
I, I, I don't, I, 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 I sometimes I'm think there's this thing where we constantly need to be dying to ourselves with all this stuff. And I'm like, that's not all that Jesus did. Like, like there is sometimes there's the like, Hey, um, like that's not the entirety of the Christian life, no, no, right? No, but okay. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, if in dying to yourself means the other person always wins, always, <laughs> then then you're not mutually submitting to each other. And, and I'm not saying that that's what Aaron's doing or anything. I'm not, right. I'm not saying I'm that at all. I'm just giving. I'm just trying to use an example of like, hey, this was because it, it was real. It was it made for like a shitty afternoon, you know. So it's why, like, so in reality, it should have been scheduled for after Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. So that you could still be there, but she and she would feel connected, but it wouldn't be in the midst of the run up where you're the most busy. Yeah, but because it, and, and and granted, COVID screwed up a whole bunch of stuff, so yeah. things get things get put off, and that's the thing. If you have to do it, you don't want to put it off. Yeah, and I get it, and so it's just I'm like, but I could have waited a week. And my mom could have just you know, <laughs> like my mom's here to help, you know. So it just and that's. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Okay. So you can think about this in terms of like career decisions. I, you know, honestly, I don't really know how two people can have completely divergent views. Like I'm reading this book right now and this one just throwaway line sent shivers down my spine and the book's called the terminal list. It's another military fiction book. Um, soon to be a major motion picture starring, uh, uh, star Lord, whatever his name is, Chris Pratt. Um, but it, and the book is really funny because it's like super technical and all this. But the guy has this line where he's talking about this horrible admiral in charge of uh, the Navy Special Forces SEALs teams. And he says uh, that he, he married, like, no, he basically he married this woman. This woman used him like a meal ticket. And every couple of years he was buying her a black Mercedes, which was her favorite. And it was this notion of like just that line. Um, of of marrying someone who has no mutual understanding of what money is and how to spend it would kill would more than anything else kill my soul. And that's why when I think of like a marriage prep, I think like, yo, dude, you guys have to figure this stuff out early ahead of time. Because if you're a spender and she's a saver or vice versa, and you think the other person is ridiculous, you will hate each other. In five to ten years, you will hate each other. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like me and Shannon are so different, but I, I feel like we haven't really run into a lot of those type of obstacles. We certainly had a handful of hurdles that I just say, you know, whatever. I'll do it. Get through it. I don't like that I did it, but it made her happy, so it's done. And I'm sure she's done that for me every you know six minutes. But you're going to take a second nap today? Sure am. Watch the kids. <laughs> But this one's more like passing out because I drank a lot of hard seltzer. Anywho, I gotta give a talk later tonight. <laughs> Shannon, just to be clear, if you're gonna if you want me and Gomer to watch the kids, we're just gonna pass out. And I'm probably gonna give them my phone. And they're gonna take a thousand pictures and I don't care. <laughs> my kids, I didn't realize this, but my kids' iPad is connected to my paid storage iCloud account. <laughs> I just got them. So when I don't let them on Wi-Fi, because sometimes, man, I hate, like, you're playing a game, and it's free, but it has ads, and then they click the ad, and now they're on the internet, and now they're on YouTube, and now they're, like, off to the races, and I'm like, oh, son of a gun. Um, so, like, every so often, I'll make them kill the Wi-Fi so the ads don't come up, and they don't send them to weird places. Well, 
the funny thing was they realized that, oh, well, it has a camera, and I can have access to the camera even without Daddy putting in the password. So now there's 4,000 four-minute videos on them of their, of them just singing. And then, and then once they turned it on to the Wi-Fi, all those four-minute <laughs> you know, 4K videos go yeah. dancing straight up to the iCloud account. And I'm like, delete, 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 delete. You can delete. totally tell that like so much of iOS and just apps and all that stuff are designed by people without kids yeah no kidding because no they just kidding. do not think it like just the i mean and i think some of these apps are like evil because the way that they get kids to like but like i know people have had like you know hundreds i'm like you know if not um more dollars charged because their kids buy stuff yeah, on their da- phone and it's da- so easy play- for, for them to do that i let them play pokemon go on my phone because i thought ah they'll get out of the house they're not going to go far and then they immediately spent two hundred dollars on Pokeballs, and I was like, what? <laughs> so I deleted the app. I didn't even get a refund. I should have gotten a refund, but I deleted the app. I was so furious, and they were like, yeah, we knew it was real money. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, like what? Like, when when we were kids, what how, what stuff do we have access to that we could, like, charge our parents hundreds of dollars without knowing? <laughs> pay-per-view. Pay-per-view is it. We had the little pay-per-view set-top box. You, you, you pushed a button. You bought the fight for fifty dollars, and you. But I mean, it. like, no, no, no. I mean, like, not that. I'm, I'm talking like when we're like eight. That's when pay per view was in my house. So you would just so eight year old um Gomer would watch fights. Oh man, I love fights. Fight night, Luke. Ding ding. It's so funny. Mom Somebody and Dad's at the like Bible sp- study. I'm watching fight nights. That's sweet science of boxing. No, I um, never did it, but my brother did it. My brother Brian, he would buy movies. And, you know, they used to go, it was like movie theater, hotel, pay-per-view, and then HBO or whatever that order was. Yeah. And he would buy, you know, $20 movies and just watch them. And they'd be like, well, I'm sorry. My stars. <laughs> my star. My lord, lord, lord. Um, I love that. Uh, so how are you going to get through this? How do you, how do you oh, not this fine. individual thing, but, like, how do you navigate when, because you're both very strong-willed, very opinionated. I'm weak. My wife is strong. She tells me what to it's wear. That's um, true. How to part my hair. I don't like it on the right. I like it on the left. Black and blue don't match, Gormley. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it makes me look like a middle school basketball coach. Get it through your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally look like a middle school basketball coach. This is nice. This is a good look for me. <laughs> uh, tic-tac, sir. Get the hell out of here. Um... I I, th- I think for me, what I'm going to have to do is, um, I, I know it sounds weird, but like speak up and just and just. And I think honestly, this comes down to a, like like a, there's a whole bunch of life that this applies to. C- communicating um, the entire picture. Ooh yeah, and saying here's what I'm struggling with because if I've got to go to this thing, then I this doesn't leave me time to do this this and this, and I don't know because of all these other things when I when I could do that again. So I'm having to make a choice between not doing this stuff or going to this going to, to this thing, and I have to do this stuff. So what's this going to pull from? Yeah. And 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 I mean, we are quite literally at a point in time where there's nothing. I mean, like it's. I was kind of. Um, Aaron has also asked because we, we've been talking about some stuff, and she's been asking how she could help with. I'm catching foxes, um, possibly, and I'm like, to be honest, like I don't know because we don't have anything else to do. Like we don't have the ability to make any more stuff. Like our time is. We get people like anytime anyone ever asks us to like do something for you know that's not an event we're getting prepared for. Um, 
I, I just I kind of forget about it because I don't have time, and yeah. we like we we are quite literally not not able to do it, and I feel bad. But it's not the way it was a couple of years ago when all Luke could just kind of like go home, like yeah, whatever, who cares? The archdiocese is pointless, you know. Like, <laughs> like, like, I'm not able to. I, I mean, but what I mean, I, I truly don't have the schedule that I had, yeah. where I was working a lot of nights, where I could make or I could take the time to take on um, the two hours out and go do this thing during during the day because no one's going to care because I'm the one who determined my own hours. Yeah, you know. So, um, right. And so, and, just so people know, it is Thursday night at eleven o'clock. Almost eleven fifteen right now, and this is the only time we had to record. And like this is the norm. This has kind of become the yeah. like the norm for us over the past um, couple months. And it started when I had Everly. When I had Everly, when and when when Aaron had Everly, we were on a really good schedule. We were recording on um, Sunday afternoons. It was awesome. We would uh, film, was it on, on Sundays? Yeah, for a while. Yeah, we we would have them. We would they would be live on on Facebook. We were we were working with this great dude named named uh, named uh, uh, um, Jason and it was fun and and then everyone came and screwed it all up. <laughs> and, and that's fine. That that's life. But we've never been able to find that routine again. Yeah, we have not recorded consistently, I don't think two weeks in a row. Yeah. In the yeah. last nine no, and, months. Yeah. And I've and I've had to get to a point where like because before um what I would do is say, hey listen, this day, this is catching Fox's day and there's nothing that can't, that it can't replace that. Yeah. COVID's kind of thrown that into like a loop because your time has gotten way more. You had to do way more uh, stuff. Yeah. And so I had to be flexible, which again, I am I'm more than happy to do. And um, my time is now like insane. So we both kind of like, you know, when you said that we have to record tonight, I was pretty tired, but I'm like, okay, we do. We don't, we don't, ha- we, we don't have a choice. I don't have, we don't have margin. There's no margin here. No, no. And when there's no yeah. margin, there's no ability to be flexible and everything is urgent and that sucks. And that means yeah. that when things deviate and cost you time, uh, you become super irritable super quickly. All right, margin gives you breathing room. Financially, uh, you know, temporally, yeah, uh, busyness calendar wise. I'm looking for so I, I'm right here. I'm at a summer camp, right? I got I, I went through all my emails a couple days ago, and I had I have maybe thirty emails this week so far. And out of all of that, like people just know, like, hey, uh, the staff workers know I'm not there, um, and so they're not emailing me as much. A couple people have sent me texts to get some quick turnaround decisions, but that's it. I'm up in the in the mountains. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying my time here, but I still don't have enough time to do the stuff that I want to do. And I, you know, I'm up here with my wife with four kids. I have a bunch of college students that I'm training to be, you know, basically mini youth ministers for a week for their life team summer camp stuff. And it's just fascinating how there's always something else happening. And I can't just, what I'd like to do is wake up in the morning and be like, all right, kids, you all go down, get breakfast, do whatever you need to do. Mom, go with them. I'm just going to hang out here for four hours. I don't get to do that. Even though I don't have anything on the calendar until lunch, I still have to be at all the things with the kids. Like there's no, this is a vacation. It's not a vacation. I'm still doing stuff, but I also have my family. So this is, I'm working and I have my family, and I have to keep my pulse on the jobby job back home, you know, and we're trying to hire two youth ministers and a marriage coordinator, you know, like, <laughs> just doing all this stuff, and I'm not trying to say, what was me, what was me, I'm just saying, the only way we can do, like, so I did every knee shall bow, I just texted Dave and said, hey, Dave, you know, it's Thursday, the show, oh, here's, here, you'll think this is funny, so I reached out um, to the people that help run our show, and I said, listen, 
me and Dave, we had to take two weeks off because we couldn't between our miscarriage and um, Amber's downward turn. It, it, it was really, really hard. And so Dave was in a hospital basically for two weeks. And um, gosh, yeah, God bless him. God bless him. And we lost yes. that episode with Dave talking about all of this stuff. Such... And it was such a good episode. Um, but the whole thing was we could not find a time to meet. And every time we had a time to meet, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. Her pain is gone or her pain is um, double down and I have to take her to the hospital and I have to do this. And we have to do that. So they just said, hey, let's just line up a handful of interviews and you interview them. And I was like, perfect. And then I'll just pick like a Saturday and we'll have like three interviews. And that way, if there's three weeks that I randomly can't do it and Dave can't do it either, we'll just plop it in. Great. Fantastic. Well, so I interview, we interviewed two people, Brandon Vaught last week, and I interviewed Dr. Edward Shree, fully thinking that me and Dave would sit down and record a show together and just plow through it and all this good stuff. But nope, that Shree episode went up yesterday because we had no time to schedule. So today we were able to sit down and record next week's show. Um, but it's like, it's like the, the idea of margin, of breathing room, of having a little bit of oomph so that when Murphy's Law goes into effect and everything gets ruined, that could possibly... And you have Meese. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you got all these Mises running through your house. We actually have a couple could dead... Mises. We have a couple dead mice here in the, uh, in the old cabin in the woods right now. But um, it's so... It just robs you. It just robs you, and it makes you so angry so easily. And I, I think one thing... I think what we learned this week was, okay, so this is... Probably not. I'm sure it'll get worse in certain spots, but this is what this looks like right now when stuff gets yeah. tough. Yeah. So, okay, we have to remind ourselves that this is for a season. Right now, I am building up to one month of four of I'm taking four grad school four grad school courses over the course of one month. Um, this is a lot, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then I will have two months off, and then I have one class. You know, and like, and so then like we can deal with that and then it's going to happen again and then, and then we can deal with it. And then I only have t- two weeks where I'm gone and then I'm done. Yeah. And so I think the like, thing that like I'm realizing right now is I need to remember, we need to, me and Aaron have to talk this constantly and remind ourselves this is for a season. Yeah. This is not our new life. This is just for a season right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so in, in January... January was brutal for me because I was like, we have to do something different for our kids, our, our, our youth ministry kids. But then March and April, well, February and March were a lot more chill. I wasn't running RCIA, all the rights and all that stuff I was present for, but I didn't have to run any of it. I have a volunteer who's crushing it, and I could breathe and just do my classes on Thursdays and my uh, youth ministry stuff on Sundays. And then we come rolling into April, and, you know, we got Holy Week and RCIA, and, okay, well, I'm, I'm a part of that, and we're getting everything organized, and, you know, the, we lose hope. And all of this stuff was all on – was all during Holy Week. And the and that's when a handful of parishioners began complaining, we're not doing enough for our youth. And I started getting it, like, hardcore, and that's when all of the advertising for youth ministry really, really, really picked up. And so now I'm trying to schedule 31 different, you know, conversations via Zoom and map out all this stuff. And so it just got, it just got to be so much, but, um, that was, that was the season and the season was April and May. And now that we're coming towards the end of the season, I'm like, okay, okay. This week of camp signaled 
a, a, at least an approach to a slowdown. But Luke, I think me and you need to look at the ads that we have coming up. And when we don't have a better help ad, because they only do it three times a month, right? We take a week off in like July or something or end of June. I'm wondering, yeah. We yeah. need to take I a think, week off. I think we we haven't taken a week off intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> For like we've done yeah. I, I you know what's funny? I was talking with the I was talking with um was a clerically speaking guys? Speaking guys, yeah, yeah. And they took like a bunch of time off and I was so jealous that I was I honestly I was like I almost I'm almost I'm sinfully jealous of you. And then I know that Catholic stuff is taking like the bulk of the summer off and they're just putting up old episodes. I know. I know. And Believe I like, me, when I heard that I was like I was like huh. <gasps> I know, but like it's all, but I, and I do like talking with you. It's it's nice. Like I like it, but it it there is a thing in my I'm head where much. I'm like I'm a bit much. I get no, it. No, no, no. I get no. it. Are you kidding me? We're both exhausting. <laughs> Whenever I hear anyone, and anytime I call, I call on one of our patrons who's giving up the twenty dollar or above level, um, and they're like, "Yeah, I, 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 you you hear quite often." I just got done with like listening to like all of your guys' episodes. The first thing out of like out of my mouth is always, "That's how." Why? That's so much us. I'm, I always apologize. I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry. That's so much of this. You've got to just feel so dirty. <laughs> um, if you need to shower, I, I understand. But yeah, if I, you want to FaceTime think... me while you're in the shower, I understand too. <laughs> like we can get through this. Together. Whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I think that there's this. I mean, really, like, why do we not do it? It's the fear. It's the fear of losing money and uh, esteem. That's why I don't want to do it. You know, uh, and it's like that's probably not good enough. But then I'm also like. That bonus is coming up in June that I'm really excited about. So. <laughs> it's not even a bonus; it's our money. But um, good lord! And but, I mean, and I, I bring it up like that's that's just reality. Like that's what we have to. That's what we're dealing with. Is you know, and it um, it makes for good podcasting. Okay, are you ready for a take, Luke, to the woodshed, or do you want to keep talking about it? Uh, no. How we need to probably take some time off. Let's take Luke to the woodshed. All right, so I want to, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to. Um, I really, really, really want to. <laughs> I really, really want to dig a dig. Oh man, I love her so much. If you want my future, yes, <laughs> with my past. What? I'm 14. No. <laughs> okay, so a couple weeks ago, I brought up how uh, this guy. I thought his name was Lord or something on the yeah. <laughs> Kardashians, and then I found out his name was Scott. Uh, was uh, Scott? I'm disick. It's my new. It's like my favorite. Uh, my favorite. I'm a human being. And a quick, a quick like follow up to that. I've realized that I like like Scott right now. Apparently, back in the day, Scott was a major douchebag and had a lot of issues with alcoholism and other things like, like, <laughs> like that. But I like Scott now because Scott now is just like very family oriented. He's very nice. He's got like hang. He just hangs out. He was like on on this on this last episode that I saw. Again, this is how it works. I watch ten minutes of it and then I like lose interest completely. But Scott's just hanging out with Kim. He was married to he was okay. He was with Courtney, but then he's just hanging out with Kim, and because they're all just uber tight. And I'm like, I love this. You're just a happy family, except for when you're not, which is a lot. But you all they hang out with, they hang out um, with each other all the time, and I just think that's awesome. Okay, would they if there wasn't the money? I think they would because I get the impression that they were doing that beforehand. Okay, so here and here's my and, question. Here's one thing I just want to add this. Okay. Don't, don't hate me because I know this. Chloe and Chris, the mom, are building houses that are right next door to each other. Yeah. Now, they also probably own multiple houses. So Keep that money pipeline nice houses. Going. Let me just say yeah. this. Me and you were really good friends before the podcast. True. True. But we did not talk every week. 
now because no. of the Patreon money. <laughs> That's true. That's we true. Talk every we week. talk every week. <laughs> we make sure we have something to talk about. So, Luke, <laughs> every... I'm, I'm really upset about stuff. Ooh, state of the church. <laughs> oh, gosh. What's tough? The margins. Oh, oh the margins. Margin. There's not enough margin. I need more room. Oh, I'm so angry. We got into a fight about out of time. Isn't it funny how, like, early on in the podcast, there was such a sense of urgency to everything? And now it's like, yeah, how about, um, well, should I tell that story? (laughs) uh, You all know my thoughts on that. Crap. I need to have either, like, a midlife crisis or become a better person, have have good things to talk about. No. No, no, no. Midlife crisis. Yeah. All right. So I so I talked about Scott a couple of weeks ago, and I got a text. Who called you out? Night. Who called you out? Who was? Uh, this is from my sister. Nice. I was going to say either sister it's always or wife, Emily. but I'm going sister. Yeah. Older, younger so, sister. Um, older sister. So this is uh, this is Emily. I mean, the I am, legend I am older than her, but she's the oldest one of, yeah. out of the two. So she was on an episode way way back when. So I. I get a text. Do you know anything in all caps about the Kardashians and Scott and Scott um, and Scott Disick? <laughs> Me. Ha ha ha. Not off the top of my head. Her. Courtney and Scott were never married. He calls himself <laughs> the Lord. Me. I thought they were. Um, question mark. Um, question mark. Question mark. <laughs> her. Aaron would be. Um, dis- Aaron would be. I'm um, disappointed. Me. Probably. I. Her. I was yelling at my speakers. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Courtney is actually dating Travis Travis Barker. Me, I did say that. Oh, I stopped to go into the store and to yell at you. <laughs> me, fair, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Now, what? What? So he was like an alcoholic and like did horrible things to people, and someone had to call yeah, you out. Yeah, he on would that? like he would drink too. No, 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 no. I just um, they showed an old old clip of Scott when he got to a fight with. There's a Rob Kardashian who's not on a lot, but he's on there sometimes. He's the brother, a little bit on the heavy side. Um, he, there's an old episode where he got to a fight with Scott, and they showed like old clips of Scott when he was with Courtney because they went to visit. So Scott, Courtney, and Chloe used to live in a townhouse in L.A. Okay. And so they Scott wanted to take him. He wanted to go with Kim and take their kids to the old. To that townhome so they could see, like, the early part. Because the show's ending and stuff. I mean, it's ending. They're doing a whole other one. But um, this show is ending, keeping up with the um, Kardashians. So Scott and Courtney, sorry, Scott and Kim went to their old house. And they showed some old um, clips of Scott. And he just seemed like a major douchebag. Yeah. Just, like, the way he talked and stuff. It was just like, I was like, ugh. But, like, now I'm like, Scott, you're amazing. Your life is incredible. <laughs> Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't take you out to the woodshed for that, man. I'm sorry. I know nothing about the Kardashians. I know more than I ever thought I would or should. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I get like five to ten minutes, and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. I gotta go do something else. And usually because I have to, and I just I also just don't don't care. But yeah. All right, Luke. Good night. All right. Well, this was fun.